is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. In the field, number 70. We're talking about practice. Hello, you play to win the game. The Yankees are champions of baseball. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Three, two, one. Happy 2000. No time on the clock. And the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Jordan open. Chicago with the lead! Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Below the Mark. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country! This is Below the Mark. We are live every, yes, every single Wednesday from 7, well, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Dot com. You can go to our app, iOS. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to say this over and over again. And if I have to, well, <laughs> then we have to beat Speedy and Petey up right up right next to me. I mean, he that wears is not going to happen. He wears his tidy whiteies every single no, day. By the way, no. he's doing the commando thing today. But no, anyways, I'm not. Yes, he is. I am wearing jeans with underwear That's underneath it. That's a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Really? You're sitting right next to me. What do you think these are? I, I am not looking beside me. I am staying far, far away from you. Anyways. Well, um, I am not commando. <laughs> Remember, you can download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 we have a great show lined up for you guys today. As you know, at 6.30, we'll be talking to a very dear friend of mine. He has been part of our network in the past, and he is now returning as a guest. We will be talking to Jake Asman from the Jake Asman Show, Sports Map Radio uh, it's going to be really, really great to get Jake on the show. And at 7.15, we'll be talking to founder of NimbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson, going to be on with us, talking a little fantasy sports with us. But, Speedy, how are you doing today? Did you have a great, really great day today? How about yesterday? Did you enjoy your day? I did. It was relaxing yesterday. I actually got productively got a lot of stuff off my computer that I've been waiting to do for a while. Uh, very relaxing for the most part today. Very a, boring, by yeah, the way. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a regular average Tuesday. It's <laughs> what it is. It's not, it's not, it's not a fun it's not, it's, it's not average a, it's Tuesday. Not, it's not a fun week. It's not a fun weekend. It's not, it's not like my holiday <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> I'm not a dog, but I can bark if you... if. I don't want to hear you bark, and we I don't know. want you to scare anybody last away. Time, last time I barked when we had uh, when we had Terrence on the on the show a couple <laughs> weeks ago, you were you were uh, you were going crazy over it. Let's yes, just say that. Well, <laughs> we had dogs barking in the background. What a terrible laugh! That crow laugh, by the way, it's one of the worst laughs in really. Radio history. All right, what's worse, the laugh or the bark? I don't know. Opinion. It would be the laugh. <laughs> it would be the laugh. That, that's for sure. Anyways, we do this every single Wednesday, except last week, because uh, we had a very special guest. What do we call and this? And we had segment? a crazy trade with the Brooklyn Nets. That's so. true, too. Yes. <laughs> we call this sports and entertainment news. Here we go. Could the Lions make a trade for Odell Beckham Jr.? Question? Answer, Speedy? I don't I don't think that's worth it at all. They need a lot of other things more than you know Odell Beckham Jr. right now. I think it absolutely could happen. They don't have Galloway anymore. He's going to probably go to free agency. Uh, unless they make a move for Julio Jones, that possibly could happen. A lot of teams will be interested in Julio Jones. Do the Nets have a Kyrie Irving slash James Harden problem? 
I would say yes, they do. Two point guards that are going to demand the ball, and only one of them can shoot the ball. So it's going to be a very, very interesting problem moving forward now that Kyrie Irving shows his face again. Two of the most ball-dominant players in the league. That's going to be a problem. Whether it's all season or not is another question, but definitely at some points. NFL rumors are news. Uh, no new COVID-19 cases among remaining NFL playoff teams. That is a great sign for the Final Four. And, and obviously the Super Bowl around the corner in Tampa. New York Jets should trade number two pick to keep building around Sam. Well, all the stories coming out, Sam Darnold might be looking for a new job because Deshaun Watson might be a name that's going to be flying over the sky as far as a Batman, but we'll call him Wattsman uh, moving forward for the New York Jets. Aaron Jones rejected subsidized uh, contract over offer from the Green Bay Packers. Speedy, you better make it happen, Packers. You've had trouble with running backs. You've had trouble with running backs in recent years. You had two good years of Eddie Lacy, one good year of Ryan Grant in, what, 15 years? That's really been it since you guys have had Amon Green. If you even have to overpay Jones a little, make it happen. John Harbaugh defends the Baltimore Ravens' run-heavy offense. How could you defend this? You can't. Lamar Jackson has not looked good the last three years in the playoffs and won one game. Yes, one game in three years with the talented team of the Baltimore Ravens. I think Baltimore is going to have to look for a new quarterback. NBA rumors and news. NBA to station security to enforce pre-post-game safety rules. Speedy? Oh, of course, you got to do that to this point. We've already had a lot of cases this so, so far this season. So keep it safe. Why not? What are the reasons why Kyrie Irving took a leave of absence? Hmm. <laughs> I wonder. What are the real reasons? What are the reasons? He's going to say there's always a great sign. He was traveling to the moon, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, because it's so close because the earth is flat. I have no idea. Maybe Lakers, the moon is flat, too. Uh, the Lakers keep Taylon Horton. Tucker's value down with reduced role. What do you think about that? Uh, his reduced role is defensive specialist. That's really all he is at this point. That's all he was in college, too. 76ers look to be active in a trade front. Who do you think they trade? Well, it could be also who they trade for, too, because they've had a hot start Benny, to the year. Do Benny Sims? Yeah, do they want to build onto it? Maybe they feel like they have enough of the same types of players. So far, they play well, so maybe they'll be patient. But this could be also the time for the big splash. Do the Los Angeles Lakers make a trade for Zach Levine? It's not bad. I, I would not rule it out. Dennis Schroeder has played well, though, so I don't know if you want to necessarily mess You're with gonna that. You're going to have to trade Dennis Schroeder. Uh, yeah, if you're going to do that, I'd rather have Dennis Schroeder. One, he's a better defender than Levine is. And two, he's played really well. He fits. <laughs> MLB rumors and news. Dodgers keep their eyes on Trevor Bauer. Speedy? Not going to happen. <laughs> Why not? I can't. I, the Dodgers are so cash-strapped as it is. They're very close to they the luxury tax. got a lot of money. Tax. They're very money. close to the luxury tax. I think the Dodgers, if they do anything... Maybe some relief pitchers. That's it. It's going to be very interesting because now that the Mets didn't get Springer, are they interested in Trevor Bauer? That's going to be a question. Phillies contract offer to JT Realmuto, believed to be worth about $110 million. Does GT, JT Realmuto take that contract? Uh, I think at this point with the catcher market the way it is, I think you're going to have to at this point. I, I, can't, I can see the Phillies maybe pushing it maybe to 120 but I don't see any more. It's on Sandy Alderson to lead Mets for Jared Porter disaster. Sandy Alderson? That's who you're going to choose? Sandy Alderson. 
Now, Sandy Alderson is right now the lead executive right now for the Mets and the GM. They brought in uh, the executive under uh, Jared Porter. Yeah, Who's I forgot guy? his name. Yeah. From the o- Oakland Raiders. Why, I mean, the Oakland uh, A's. Why doesn't he become the GM? I don't yeah, understand. I that. mean, that's, that, that could be the only choice within the organization because who's going to get as a GM at this point? No deal yet between Jays and outfielder Michael Branley. Yeah, there was. Are a, you surprised that they're making a move for him? They, no, it was actually a deal that was reported, I think, about two hours ago, and then it got rescinded, and now it looks like he's going to be headed back to the Astros. NHL rumors and news. Senators Brady Kachuk says he's not focused on contract extension yet. Are you kidding me? He's absolutely focused. His father is Keith Kachuk. His brother is Matthew Kachuk. He's thinking about dollars and cents, baby. And his third year in the league? Yes. All right. He's one of the best young players in the league. No, he's been tremendous so far, especially for a team as bad as he is. But still, I mean, three years in the league, it's still a little early for that. Maple Leafs Austin Matthews pumped. NHL has reverted to non-tech pucks. Yeah, they stopped puck tracking for whatever reason. For I guess why does he care? I don't understand. I I mean, maybe in terms of the analytics of it, maybe I'm surprised that actually I'm surprised being a young player he wouldn't be defending it a little more. But yeah, they stopped it for a while. Maybe in this kind of season they want to invest their technology in other things, or they maybe just want to have the game grow differently. I don't know. And the last story of the day: Dynamic Jack Hughes is flipping the script after scoring three points against the New York. Rangers yesterday and knocking off the Rangers in really I think it was game number three for the New Jersey Devils. They're playing good hockey right now and Jack Hughes is starting to become the star that we believed he was going to be. I am very excited to watch this kid. You see what his his brother is doing, Quinn? And now Jack and his brother is moving into the NHL in the next two years. This could be a dynamic family in the NHL. He played really well against the Rangers. Fantastic. Really great skating. Great move on that second goal. Remember, he actually had a goal taken away from him, too. Or he had an assist taken away from him, too. So he could have had four points in that game as well. And that is sports and entertainment news of the week, ladies and gentlemen. I will say this. It is crazy. It is crazy when you look at what's going on in the world. Obviously, uh, you know, now we have a new president in Joe Biden. And, and hopefully we move for the better this year. I mean, it's January 2021. Sports, hopefully uh, games will be played in front of fans very, very soon uh, with this whole COVID-19. Hopefully on its way out, a whole year of COVID-19. Hopefully it's not two whole years. Uh, I've been hearing that uh, I think full stadiums will be uh, full again probably around August or October. So uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy what's going on in the world. So... Good news is uh, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. So I want to get into this whole New York Jet thing, the Deshaun Watson thing. It's so huge right now when you talk about New York sports and you talk about Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson, to me, is one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league. Behind Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I mean, he's right there, four or five. That's where he is. The fact right now that he wants to leave the Texans is saying a lot about the Texans organization. And the funny thing is, he's willing to go to the New York Jets, another organization that's been in the loop for a very, very long time. And what I mean by loop is this has been a bad organization, badly run organization with the Johnson family. But ever since Robert Sala is in the picture, 
new coaching staff, Joe Douglas running this organization now. He is in control of this organization. It's not the Johnson family anymore. All of a sudden, you hear Richard Sherman post up Deshaun Watson in a Jets jersey that he should go and want to go to the New York Jets. How about Robinson? The big star, Allen Robinson, the, the wide receiver on Chicago, who's a free agent this year, posting up a Jets uniform with Deshaun Watson in it. Two players that are free agents this year. Richard Sherman, who's a veteran corner. The Jets need uh, some veteran play at that position. Bringing in Robert Sala. Richard Sherman absolutely loves Robert Sala and thought that he should have had a job years ago. And Allen Robinson, arguably the best wide receiver on the market this offseason. I could imagine if he goes with Deshaun Watson, whether it's to the Jets or even with another team, watch out for him and be a top five receiver, both statistically and maybe even skill. He was a top 10 receiver this year. And he's, been, he's been that way his whole career with, let's see, Blake Bortles at quarterback. Then it was Chad Henney. Then we went to Chicago. It was Trubisky and Foles and all the, all the garbage they had over there. I know you like Trubisky, Ben. He might be the best one they play with, but yep. he's nowhere near Deshaun Watson. <laughs> no, there's not a lot of people that are compared to Deshaun Watson. But this story is so huge. We talk about the Texan organization uh, not going to Deshaun Watson on uh, choosing a GM, uh, this coaching search. Uh, there were stories coming out that he wanted Robert uh, uh, Robert Sala, uh, Sala or Eric Bieniemy, right. And now Eric Bieniemy, the NFL has allowed the Texans to interview Eric Bieniemy when the rules are set. After the bye week, they are not to interview any coaches until they're knocked out of the playoffs. Well, the NFL, because of everything that's going on with the Houston Texans and not finding a coach and that nobody wants it, even ever, even ever, ever Eberflus, interview for the job. And why do you correct me all the time? I can pronounce his name. But even Eberflus, a guy that didn't want the job, interviewed for the job. Now, if Deshaun Watson isn't in the mix... What is what is it going to what are these coaches going to do? Why would these coaches take this job? Why would they take the Houston Texan job? JJ Watt is not going to be there next year. He's not. He's going to go into free agency and probably sign with another team. There is nobody there that really stands out. There's no Hopkins there anymore. He's playing for Arizona because they traded him. Uh O'Brien traded him last year in the offseason and he's no longer there. I mean, you might as well bring O'Brien back to the Texans because there's nobody that's going to want to coach this team. They have no quarterback. Their defense is old and raggy. They have no draft stock whatsoever because they traded away for uh, Lermy Tunsil. I mean, you're, you're looking at the Texan team. They need to rebuild. They have to trade Deshaun Watson. They have to because keeping Deshaun Watson – is it going to help build this team? Now, at this point, in terms of getting a better coach, if they do end up having to trade Deshaun Watson, is that the right answer when they have to rebuild anyway? Where they 
they're going to have similarly lost draft picks, but at least they can get the coach and quarterback and maybe rebuild everything in the future if that's what that coach wants in particular. I don't think that's what enemy wants, but maybe some other one down the line if, they, if it's like a super young guy. Maybe that's a spot where you could see a college coach end up going if he wants to rebuild a program like you see that you saw this year with Carolina and Matt Rule. That could be something maybe the, a college coach should be enticed with, but I don't know where the Texans are going to go with that. If Deshaun Watson really wants out regardless, obviously you have no choice. <laughs> it's it's so it's so interesting. And by the way, Alex, I'll get into Don Sutton. He passed he passed away today. Uh, one of the great yeah. one one of the great known baseball names. We've we've t- we've talked about Don Sutton for a very very long time. He was a twenty he he was in the league for over twenty years. I mean, he's been around baseball for such a long time. Hall of Famer pitcher. One of the greatest pitchers. One of the most underrated greatest pitchers of all time. Right. Uh, we will get into Don Sutton just one, in just a few moments. But Deshaun Watson, when you look at who he is as a player and what he stands for on and off the field, he is a, the perfect player to build your roster, to build your team around. But when you look at the Texans right now as an organization, Should they keep Deshaun Watson? Does it make sense for this organization to keep Deshaun Watson? And the answer is no. If I was running this organization right now, Deshaun Watson is a guy that can get me a lot of draft stock. Can re-up my future as an organization. We're not winning for the next three to four years. We just gave him an extension. We just gave him a contract. We can get rid of that contract off our salary cap. We have a lot of money open for next year's free agency market. We can possibly get the second pick in the draft this year, which could add our future quarterback, and maybe in a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, because we know Trevor Lawrence will be off the board now that Urban Meyer is running the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, you're looking at a team that has no draft stock until next year. If you make a trade with the New York Jets, you could get three first-round draft picks for a generational type of quarterback like Deshaun Watson. I don't know. Would they get three, though, from being one of them's the number two pick, though, for that kind of package? Absolutely. They'll get three. Absolutely, they'll get one this year, uh, the Jets next year, and the the Jets in 2023. They will not give both 2021 draft picks. What about one of the Seattle picks? Would would they take that? I don't know. I I don't know what they're going to take, but I know they're going to demand at least three first-round draft picks for Deshaun Watson, and probably more than that. You're probably going to ask for three first-round draft picks, a possible third, and maybe a fifth. You're going to have to give up a lot for Deshaun Watson. This is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, like we were saying on Monday when we had Joey Hagan on the show, I think a team like the 49ers might have to give up four, uh, three or four first-round picks. I, the Jets, again, they're the one, because it's the number two pick, you wonder if Douglas could maybe get him without having to trade three of them, too. Maybe they trade two twos or something like that. Maybe, maybe Sam Darnold. Maybe yeah, they trade maybe Sam. Maybe Sam Darnold, yep. Maybe they say, they say we'll trade Sam Darnold two first rounds, a second, and a third. I, I don't know what it's going to demand to get a Deshaun Watson. Right now, he hasn't demanded a trade, but everything that's coming out of Houston is that he wants out, and he has a no-trade clause, and he could decide where he wants to go. The Jets are one of those teams on his board. I think it's the Jets and the Miami Dolphins. So far, yeah. Now that Indianapolis 
with Philip Rivers retiring, now there's an open spot with Indianapolis. They're, they're a team that has a tremendous uh, offensive line, a tremendous defensive line, and up-and-coming uh, wide receivers on that team as well, and running backs. So I could see Deshaun Watson maybe asking to be traded to Indianapolis. The problem is Indianapolis don't have the draft stock that Miami and the New York Jets have. The other thing, too, is they might have to ask for the Colts. They might have to ask more for a division rival like that, too. Now, the Texans are far away, so they should try to take the best trade package they can get. But it might be more enticing for them to push the Colts because they're a division rival, too, which I think is going to make it harder for them. I think the Colts are better off in the market for a if they want to trade for Sam Darnold, if the Jets do trade Sam Darnold, or, again, drafting a quarterback for the future and maybe signing a stopgap guy, maybe like a Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. Uh, I, it's so interesting right now with this Deshaun Watson situation, and a lot of people are talking about it. And as a Jet fan, uh, if we get Deshaun Watson, if the Jets get Deshaun Watson, Watson, most Jet fans will be happy. I do not want to trade away my future for Deshaun Watson. Now, uh, the Jets are still missing a lot of pieces to win a championship, okay? They do have a lot of money, but there's just so much money you can spend in the open market. And they need to keep some draft stock where they can make moves, maybe bring in another wide receiver if you can't bring in Allen Robertson. You need to bring in a pass rusher if you can't sign a Judon or somebody like that. You're going to have to use some of that draft stock to rebuild this organization with Robert Sala and this coaching staff. You cannot trade it away for just Deshaun Watson. Now, the question is, when you look at the Jets, do the Jets give the best, I guess the best... Most enticing offer, you think? Enticing offer for a guy like Deshaun Watson. I don't know if they do. I think Miami has 11 or 12, first, uh, 12 draft picks right. this year. They have a tremendous amount of draft stock. Maybe Miami uh, is going to try to do everything they can to get Deshaun Watson, maybe trade Tua. Obviously, a lot of people don't believe Tua is the future. I've been saying that over and over again. I told that to Mark Kelly. I told that to um, Ryan Hickey. I did not think Tua was going to last in the NFL, uh, not just because of his hip. I think he's more of a Tim Tebow type of quarterback. He's not an accurate quarterback. He was accurate in college. But remember, that hip is not 100%. And it never will be 100%, even though he's 21, 22 years old. That's funny. I think Jeff said that like last year. He thinks Tua's going to be the next Tim Tebow. So. Yeah, he's going to be a bust. And I think Miami knows that too. So Deshaun Watson having one of the, getting the opportunity to make a move for one of the great young quarterbacks in the league. Nobody would have thought in their wildest dreams a franchise quarterback would be... A, in the open market the way it is. This this could be one of the greatest trades in NFL history. This could change an organization right off the blink of an eye. That'd be funny if it was the Dolphins, just because the Texans would just get their pick back. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the Dolphins. I don't, I, I don't either, but I, I just think it could be funny. I'm thinking it's probably either going to be the Jets or the 49ers, maybe Carolina, if Matt Rule really loves them, but I still see them maybe more trading up for fields. I think it makes more sense for the Jets to make this move because they – uh, first of all, Deshaun Watson will take his no-trade clause. So with Miami, he would. But Miami right now is ready to win right now. If they were to trade for Deshaun Watson, they're going to want three first-round draft picks for them and maybe two players on their roster right now. And I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I don't know if I'm willing to just throw away 
a possible championship competitive team in the very near future. So you would rather have them use that pick and just take Fields on its own or trade back or whatever the may, the case may be with it rather than go for Watson like that who you know is a proven commodity? I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do right now at that position. Now, I don't know if they're going to draft Justin Fields because they have Tua, and that would make them look really, really right. bad because they drafted Tua over Justin Herbert, who I believe Justin Herbert was the best quarterback in that class, could be one of right. the best young quarterbacks, and, and a future MVP. I've been saying that about Justin Herbert since he was drafted. And also Jordan Love, who's sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, learning from Aaron Rodgers. Could you imagine what that kid's going to be in a couple of years? So, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a huge name right now. And he would, he would really set New York Jet fans on fire right now if you were here tomorrow that the New York Jets traded for Deshaun Watson. I'm just not willing to trade away three to four first-round draft picks for a quarterback that is asking to, asking to be traded. Now, one more question because I know we've got to get Jake on soon, but... If, if Deshaun Watson or if Allen Robinson, for example, comes out and says, I will sign with you if Deshaun Watson is involved in this kind of deal, if that's, if that's the package, is it worth it in that case to go after Watson? Or would you rather go after another receiver like a, like a T.Y. Hilton or Juju or something like that and draft Fields or keep Darnold and trade back? and draft I've Sewell? been telling you over and over again, Allen Robinson is good as a Jet, even with, with, with or without Deshaun Watson. I, I believe Allen Robinson will be a New York Jet. The Jets will sign Allen Robinson. He's the best wide receiver on the market. He's, he's absolutely a number one wide receiver. And then you have Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. And if you put Deshaun Watson, you have one of the mo- more prolific offenses in the NFL. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to host of the Jake Asman Show on Sports Map Radio, Jake Asman. Here on Below the Mic. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, this is Below the Mic. We are live every single Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can also go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. I haven't had this guy on my show since he's left my network. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. The story comes out uh, a couple of days ago. Jillian reached out to me, our social media expert, and she tells me, I reached out to Jake Asman. He's going to be coming on the show. I said, do you know who Jake Asman is? He was on our network from the Asman and Budick show. She said, I had no idea. He so, was on there before I was. <laughs> yes, he was. So as you guys know, we are now talking to the host of the Jake Asman show on Sports Map Radio, Mr. Jake Asman. What's going on, Jake? It's great to be back on the network. And yeah, Errol, when uh, you know, your social person reached out, they were talking to me like, oh, you're going to be doing this show. Do you have times here? And I'm just like, they're giving me the whole like selling pitch. And I'm like, I- I'm friends with Errol. Like we're, we're, we go way back. I used to be on the network uh, under the previous name. So uh, it was pretty funny how that came together. But always, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And, you know, I hope everything is uh, going well in Long Island. Absolutely. By the way, your show is awesome. Um, Sports Map was SB Nation changed to sports map they bought into SB Nation it's a great great programming how are you doing over there how is everything going how are you with the COVID-19 situation 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? So I was home a couple of weeks ago for the holidays. And, you know, I don't want to say people here in Houston don't care about the virus because that's not true. There's just less paranoia about it. People wear masks. People are respectful. But back in New York, I mean, you know, it was like a different planet kind of seeing, you know, how crazy everyone is with the mask and just kind of the, you know, the, the overall energy and the vibe. Right. So definitely uh, a bit different. I think maybe part of that is the weather and how nice it is here and people are still outside. And, you know, you, there's ways to you know be social while, you know, being respectful of others. So uh, definitely very different from what you guys are dealing with on Long Island. Uh, but overall, you know, no complaints about, you know, being here. Things are open. Restaurants are open. So I'm just uh, I'm glad I'm here for the pandemic rather than, you know, being in New York, I guess is the best way to say it. Right. Well, I've been watching you on social media. I see all the nice dinners that you eat. Uh, I see your dog. I mean, you are very big when it comes to social media. I, I watch you on Twitter, Instagram, everything that you do. It's amazing what you're doing. By the way, we are talking to the host of the Jake Asman Show on Sports Map Radio, Jake Asman. Before we get into the Jets, because me and Jake are fans of the same teams. It's crazy. that There's not many people that are Yankee, Islander, Jet, and Nick fans, okay? Mm-hmm. There is not many. Me and Jake are actually one of very few. So what are your thoughts on the passing of Don Sutton? Yeah, very sad, obviously. You know, I didn't see him play. I'm not old enough to have seen him play. But, you, you know, hearing from the broadcaster and seeing some of the, uh, you know, eulogies that have been put out there, very sad. You know, it, it feels like baseball in particular over the last calendar year has just been decimated with the loss of some some all-time great players, Hall of Famers, great managers. I mean, we saw Tommy Lasorda pass away you know, just a couple of days ago, and it just seems like it's one hit after the other when it comes to, you know, all-time great, you know, major major league baseball players or coaches or managers. It's just it, – it's been, it's been sad to see. It really has been. Before we get into this whole Deshaun Watson situation, because Jet fans are jumping for joy over here in New York, they're, they're like sizzling, you know, the sweat coming off their – uh, their heads or whatever it's coming off of because everybody, the story is coming out that Deshaun Watson might be might want to be traded. Uh, the Jets are the lead team right now because of all the draft stock. Thank you, Joe Douglas. What were your thoughts of the signing of our new coach, Robert Sala? Yeah, I'm big on Sala. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I think, like I know everything about him. Like he's going to be this great coach. But considering the fact that the Jets were coming off of Adam Gase, they really couldn't do any worse than that. So the bar is set very <laughs> low for Sala, right? But here's what I like about him what players are saying about him. The Jets have a culture problem. People don't want to play for them. They saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams. And you had this, you know, just terrible reputation in league circles, kind of what the Texans are going through right now, right? So you don't want to deal with that. So you bring in Joe Douglas. He's highly respected. Now he gets to pick his coach. This was not Peyton Manning's recommendation. This was not a search firm, right? This was not Charlie Casserly or, or Ron Wolf. This is the football guy in Douglas making the, the football decision here which is why I support it and you know I want him to hire a great staff now I think bringing over LaFleur from the Niners is a is a really smart decision for the offensive coordinator role so I'm cautiously optimistic but I, I won't lie I was opt- optimistic about Todd Bowles five years ago too so <laughs> you just never know but I hope you know the difference with Bowles and Sala is well one Sala is a better coach and then two you know, the general manager is not Mike McCagney, it's Joe Douglas, who I think most Jeff fans are, are very high on the, the potential for him going forward. 
So you mentioned the Texans coaching search, and a lot of reports have came out that the Texans coaching search is like the worst spot to go to, they think, in the last like 10, 12 years. They're not even just saying this year. So what do you think about it, like judging it from a Houston perspective? And do you think there's still hope that they could get a top coach like an Eric Bieniemy because of this? Maybe it's the last option for them, or do you think they're really going to have a tough time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I don't actually think they want the enemy all that much. I, I, I think they put in the interview request just to placate their franchise quarterback into Sean Watson, just to be like, well, we're talking to your guys. See, <laughs> look, look what we're doing. Please, please stay. You know, I mean, if because it, it's such a complicated issue because the job in and of itself is still one of 32 and you still have a franchise quarterback. But if there's uncertainty on whether or not that guy is going to you know, be happy and commit to you long-term, even though he signed through 2025, you know, you're not going to want to take that job unless you get the assurance from ownership and from the player that they're both going to be there, right? That the, that the, the Sean Watson's not going to make this an absolute mess. So I think that's what has slowed down the coaching search. I actually was talking to someone pretty connected to the whole thing earlier today. The name to watch is Leslie Frazier. I think I saw on some uh, sports books, he's five to one. I was told that the Texans, are very, very passionate about Frazier. They like the temperament. They want to kind of go with the opposite of Bill O'Brien, who was a big hothead. <laughs> Leslie Frazier does bring head coaching experience. Uh, he is a minority hire, which is something that I've been told is, is very important to the Texans organization. So look for the name uh, Leslie Frazier. That's my best guess who they end up hiring. We are talking to the host of the Jake Asman Show on Sports Map Radio, Jake Asman. Now, Jake... You're over there in Houston. What is the fans, what are people saying over there uh, all about this whole Deshaun Watson debacle? I mean, with the organization not going to him to talk about uh, who they're going to put into the GM position. And then all of a sudden, now the coaching, uh, the, the, the outlandish questions of where they're going to go with the coaches. And, and then some of the players, the Hopkins trade, uh, it, it absolutely affected Deshaun Watson uh, this season, even though he's had a fantastic season, uh, led the league in yards. Uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. What is the fans saying uh, over there in Houston? People are very concerned. I mean, they've seen this team go from, you know, 24 nothing lead in the divisional round a year ago to here they are coming off a 4-12 and season, uh, an offseason in which they traded away the best wide receiver in the NFL for a bag of peanuts. <laughs> so people are very concerned. They don't have draft capital. They don't have a lot of cap space. The one selling point you have as a fan is that, hey, Deshaun Watson's 25 years old. He's going to give you a chance in every game he plays, and he's that good. I mean, he led the NFL in passing yards, and they still only won four games. So what does that tell you about you know, the the entire makeup of the roster right now? So people are very worried uh, about Watson. They want to make sure that the franchise quarterback stays happy. And, you know, the number one villain in Houston sports right now is is actually two people. It's the owner, Cal McNair, because it's on him to ultimately fix this relationship with Deshaun Watson. And the former interim general manager and before that character coach with the Patriots, Jack Easterby, who has no business being around player personnel, he did help with the hiring of Nick Casario, but he better let Casario just like steer the ship. And if Cal McNair you know, needs to get rid of Easterby to make Watson happy, then you do it. I don't care how close Easterby is with Casario. Give Easterby a nice check. Tell him to go away because you cannot – you know, choose between, you know, former character coach and, and 25-year-old franchise quarterback, right? So the whole thing seems so silly, but that's where we are right now. A year after, I repeat, a year after <laughs> this team was up 24 nothing in Kansas City, and if they had won that game, guys, 
they would have been hosting the AFC championship game <laughs> right here in Houston against the Titans. And they would have been a favorite in that game. So it just shows you how crazy the last year has been for the Houston Texan fan. That's funny because if that that ended up happening, they would have played, I think, three times in six weeks or something like that. Because remember, they played 15 and 17 at the end of the year. So that yeah, would have been funny. Right. So going back to the Jets uh, for Deshaun Watson, is is that the scenario you want would want the most for the New York Jets? What do you think would be realistic in terms of trading for it too? Or would you rather go after maybe somebody like Fields at number two, keep Darnold and trade back, keep Darnold, draft Sewell? What do you think is the best scenario? The, the whole question pains me because anyone who's heard me over the years I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan I love the guy I think that he's been failed by Todd Bowles Jeremy Bates Adam Gase they've put nothing around him I I look at Sam as a guy that I still think with the right coaching he could be an elite quarterback I think if he goes to Indy and Frank Reich is coaching him it's a totally different conversation but I say all that to say he might just need a fresh start. So if they're sitting there with the second overall pick, and we'll get to the Deshaun Watson part of that question in a second. If they're sitting there with the second overall pick and they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, Fields or Wilson or somebody else, you know, if you're Joe Douglas, you didn't draft Sam Darnold. If you're Robert Sala, he's not really your quarterback. So they could say everything they want to say now about how much they love Sam, and I'm sure that will be a major talking point at the intro press conference tomorrow. But just remember, Cliff Kingsbury said, Josh Rosen's our guy. So (laughs) nothing they say now really matters. I think ultimately, if they don't get Watson, which I'll get to, I think they're drafting a quarterback and they trade Sam. As far as Watson, there is no price on that guy. If they need to trade four ones to get him, I'm all for it. This team has 19 first-round picks over, or 19 total draft picks over the next two years. They have four first-rounders over the next two years. So if you put a package together with the second overall pick, pick 23 from Seattle, your first next year, maybe your first in 2023, whatever it takes, you do it. Well, Deshaun Watson doesn't solve all your issues. Having a top five quarterback that's 25 years old signed through, signed through the year 2025 certainly puts uh, you know uh, puts a premium on other positions, and you don't have to worry about the most important position in sports. And with all the cap space the Jets have and all the extra draft capital they still would have, even if they made a Watson trade, you know, you're still talking about a team that's, that potentially goes from two wins to ten wins just with a couple shrewd moves and Watson being Watson. So, hell yeah, whatever it takes to get a guy that good, you do it. I'm just kind of iffy on that actually happening. I still think, gun to my head, he's playing for the Texans week one next year. We are talking to the host of the Jake Asman Show on Sports Map Radio, Jake Asman. Jake, I want to get into some basketball conversation. And another team over there in Houston, which you are – over there uh, talking about. Uh, James Harden. I, I mean, all the stuff, all the stories coming out over there is James Harden wanted out, oh, even in the offseason. He, he was practicing, he was training with uh, Kevin Durant, and then all of a sudden, uh, he came to, he came in the offseason, he gained like 20 pounds, he looked <laughs> fat, uh, and then all of a sudden, the stories were coming out that he was demanding his way out of Houston. He wanted to go play for the Brooklyn Nets. He got his wi- he got his wish. He got everything that he wanted. Uh, what did you think about the Nets trading for James Harden? Uh, I didn't like it. I-, I think there's way too much risk involved with a move like this. Now, I will say this. Because of Kyrie's uncertainty, I almost understand why they felt like they had to do it. I mean, it's such an indictment on Kyrie Irving, the player, that they just don't know if he's going to show up to work on a given day. Like, you know, I understand he, he's, he's dealing with some personal issues and I'm not making light of, you know, someone's mental health. 
but don't give me the mental health, you know, uh, um, tactic or the mental health excuse. And then you're partying maskless <laughs> while you're away from the team, right? It can't, it, it, it's either, you know, you're having some personal issues going on or, you know, you just don't want to be there and nobody knows with Kyrie Irving. So I, I just think the fact that they had to make this deal is a major indictment on Irving. Look, James Harden can play. We know this. And I think the fact that he is now the number two on this team and Durant's clearly the number one, that's good for the Nets' chances. I just wonder about their depth. I just wonder about Steve Nash being a rookie coach. And they basically traded the entire future for 18 months, right? You have Durant and Irving with opt-outs after their third season. Are they committed long-term? I have no idea what Kyrie Irving's doing tomorrow. So we're going to think he's here long-term, right? So – I get why the Nets did it. They want to win. They're all into win. But I think it's a pretty damn indictment on your your star player in Irving that you maybe had to make this move because you don't trust him. I, I think that's where I kind of look at this move and go, wow, that is crazy. So moving on to the Knicks now. They hired Tom Th- Thibodeau as their coach. Errol actually called that over a year ago in an article. Th- Thibodeau has been a very good job so far, especially defensively with this roster. What have been some of your impressions with the Knicks under Thibodeau so far this season? I think they play hard. They play good defense. They compete every night. I, I, I don't really look at the win-loss record. I look at the the effort level. I want to see young guys get better. You know, this is not going to be a quick fix. They're not going to just magically, you know, be the Nets overnight. But how did the Nets do what they did? They built a young core up. They had the assets. They were an attractive uh, place to play. And then ultimately, yeah, they, they traded it all away to get hardened. But you know, they built the core in place first to put themselves in position where stars would want to go there, right? So I think the Knicks are on the path to trying to do something similar. You want to see R.J. Barrett continue to develop. You want to see Mitchell Robinson continue to develop. Can they get something from, you know, Kevin Knox? Do they have something maybe here with Julius Randle? Is he finally going to reach his potential with the coaching that they're giving him? So these are things that I'm watching, and I'm a, I'm optimistic about the Knicks. Look, they're not a championship contender. We all understand that, but they play hard. I think Thibodeau's a really good coach. And a lot of people were like, oh, would he be able to develop a young core? I think the answer so far is yes. Guys are getting better. Guys are competing. And where effort level in the NBA is kind of, you know, subjective on given nights, if the (laughs) Knicks just play hard every night, they're going to be in a lot of games and have a chance to steal a lot of games, especially on the road when there's barely any fans. So the Knicks might actually be end up being a lot better than any of us thought because they play hard and they're well coached. Quickly, let's get into some baseball conversation. What were your thoughts with the Francisco Lindor trade? And were you excited, because I know you're a Yankee fan, when the Yankees landed uh, back DJ LeMayu and, and, and obviously signed $11 million contract for one year, uh, Corey Kluber? No issue with the uh, Kluber contract. One year, kind of prove it deal, low risk, potentially high reward. I, I do think the Yankees need more pitching. Maybe that comes in the trade market. I think, you know, that's rather obvious. But, you know, the division is weaker with the Rays losing Snell and Morton. And the Blue Jays, everyone's going nuts about the Blue Jays. Yeah, they have a really good offense. But their number one starter right now is Hinjin Ryu. And you couldn't even name me you know, the rest of their rotation, <laughs> right? So I don't really care about Toronto at this point. As far as the Mayhew, I mean, no-brainer. I never for a second thought the Yankees were ever – you're going to let this guy go. Name me the player the Yankees actually wanted that they let walk. You know, you could say, oh, well, Robinson Cano. Eh, they didn't really want Robinson Cano. They made a competitive offer seven years, but they were not going to budge and go 10 like the Mariners did. How's that working out, by the way? So I think ultimately the Yankees did what they had to do with, with LeMahieu and took a flyer on Kluber. As far as Lindor, I mean, what's the what's the risk, right? You, gotta, you didn't really have to give up that much. Carlos Carrasco was a throw-in in that deal. So I, I think – you know, Sandy Alderson made a great deal there. And you obviously don't make that move unless you plan to sign Lindor 
you know, long term. So the Mets will work out a contract between now and I'm sure spring training. And, you know, they're going to have a superstar player, you know, to kind of be the face of their offense going forward, which I, I think if you're a Met fan, you should be really excited about about that trade. All right. Last for me. What are your impressions so far of the New York hockey teams and just the start of this NHL season, this 56 game season? I miss fans. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> honestly uh, what I miss the most. It's weird watching Ranger Islander, at, you know, Ranger and Islander games at Madison Square Garden. There's nobody there watching, you know, the Isles game against the Bruins yesterday or two days ago, whenever that was. And there's no one at the barn. Right. You know, so it's weird. I, I think the teams that are well coached, that have togetherness, that have chemistry are going to be the ones that succeed early on because this is so new. And the fact that the Islanders have the best coach in hockey and they have such a, a veteran group that's been playing together for years now, I think they're at a huge advantage early on. And, you know, I'm excited to see kind of how this season unfolds. But, you know, as an Islander fan, I like what I've seen so far. You know, obviously they had the one game against the Rangers where, you know, <laughs> Barlamov gets hurt, you know, minutes before, you know, the the puck set the drop. And that kind of was a throwaway game. But, you know, I'm excited to see what this team could do. They're, they're certainly a championship contender, which as an Islander fan <laughs> over the last 20 something years, we have not really been able to say that all too much. So I will gladly take that. Oh, absolutely. Jake, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Jake Asmund. just my name. <laughs> well, I, I've been watching you, man. I'm so happy. I'm so excited for you and what you're doing in Houston. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Guys, great to be on with you. I love uh, so seeing the show pop up on the Twitter feed. I always try to tune in when I can or on Facebook. You guys have this thing everywhere. So, you know, continued success. I miss driving out there every morning and you know, doing the show and, you know, moving from this office to that office. It was kind of like a, yes. a radio adventure for those, uh, Absolutely. you know, that year we were with you guys. So I certainly miss it. Absolutely. Tell Dan I said hello to and Anthony. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Jake Asman, ladies and gentlemen, as you guys know, if you de- you haven't checked out his show, Sports Map Radio, he has a great show, uh, the Jake Asman Show. Great, 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 great host. So, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been very, very successful. So, uh, I- I've been very excited to watch this kid just develop into the play, in- almost into the player, but into the analyst and the broadcaster that he is today. So, how about, it's, it's how about the timing of all this too? With with the Harden to the Nets last week, Houston New York connection. Now Watson potentially rumored to the Jets. Could you imagine what are the that? odds of that? James Harden goes to the Brooklyn Nets, and now you're talking about Deshaun Watson, two of their biggest superstars going to New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cleveland. I, I'm reading what Cleveland said. Kyrie is using his platform for the wrong reason. We know. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because we talk about basketball all the time. We talk about what's going on with James Harden in the, in the Brooklyn Nets. But we don't really talk about the New York Knicks. It's, it's really – and that's what I love about what's going on with the Knicks. Everything is quiet with the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau is coaching. They're listening. They're working. They're figuring things out as a team. They're playing team defense. When was the last time you saw the New York Knicks play team defense? <laughs> Not in my lifetime. I mean, seriously. It was the 90s, the late 90s with the New York Knicks. And now all of a sudden you're seeing them playing team defense. You're seeing Julius Randle become a star right in front of her eyes. You're talking about a guy that was a throwaway uh, from the L.A. Lakers when they traded him to the Pelicans. Uh, his development with the Pelicans and then all of a sudden getting traded to, uh, I mean, getting traded to the New York Knicks mm-hmm. and, and, and then signing the New York Knicks contract. Uh, he's been fantastic for the Knicks. The Knicks fans should be very excited for the future of what R.J. Barrett looks like 
like he's slowly but surely turning into the player that we thought he was going to be. And his shot is looking good. I, I remember about a week ago. I don't remember who said it, but he, uh, his shot looks bad. He, he doesn't look like he's developing a shot. Well, the last couple of games, he's looked very, very good as far as perimeter shooting and his jump shot. So if R.J. Barrett finds a way to develop a shot, uh, he is going to be as good as any player in the league because he can he could be a guy that can give you 25 to 30 points a game and, and about 7 to 8 rebounds. And he could be the future of this organization moving forward. So the Knicks have looked really, really good. And quietly, yes, the New York Knicks, quietly <laughs> playing good basketball. So that's something that you wouldn't expect. You would think that the Knicks would be the laughing stock of the NBA, but they're not a laughing stock. I love what Rose is doing. I love what Wesley is doing. I love what Perry is doing. And I love what Thibodeau is doing. And finally, James Dolan staying away from this team and this organization. About damn time. And letting the real basketball minds run this organization. And now you're seeing the development of some of these young players. And the great uh, benefit from what the Knicks could be in the future uh, the the light is bright at the end of the tunnel for the New York Knicks. As far as the Brooklyn Nets, I don't know what light is brighting. Maybe up in the sky. Uh, maybe it's a bird or it's a plane or it's just Kyrie Irving trying it's, to figure out where he is or what he's doing uh, the next day to the next day. So It's the star of Kyrie Irving's flat earth. I have no idea what's going on with that guy, but uh, supposedly uh, he shows up. Uh, I, this guy disappears. And nobody knows where he is. Kevin Durant doesn't know where he is. You hear stories that he didn't want Kevin Durant there. He didn't want uh, Steve Nash there. Who the hell does he want? Uh, Does Kyrie Irving want his father to play for the team? I have no idea what's going on with that guy and what's going on in his mind. Uh, But I I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how Kyrie, Harden, and, and... and Durant are going to work. We've seen it before with Russell Westbrook. It didn't work. It went to a finals. They played against Miami, and Miami just romped them right out of the finals. I just – I can't see it working. Do, do you see it working? Well, yeah. The other thing to look at, too, is when you when they went to the finals against Miami, James Harden was not as ball-dominant as he is now. Not even close. He was a sixth-man type. He was mostly a catch-and-shoot type. He could drive to the hoop when he had the ball, sure. But Russell Westbrook had the ball a lot of the time. Kevin Durant had the ball a lot of the time. Even Ibaka was handling the ball when he was a younger player, too. So they, they weren't as ball-dominant. Now, if Kyrie and Irving... Bo- Kyrie Irving and James Harden, both ball dominant. That's going to be, whether it's an issue all season or not, it's going to be an issue at some points. And James Harden's had trouble in the playoffs. James Harden's had trouble with efficiency. Kyrie Irving at times has had trouble with efficiency. So then you have that problem where, yeah, you can run a fast-paced offense with with D'Antoni all you want, but uh, inefficiency is definitely what hinders teams in the playoffs too. It's just absolutely incredible when you think of the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets were the talk of the town two years ago with Kenny Atkinson, the development of some of these young players, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and and you have a a base of of good, good young players you can build your team around. And now all of a sudden you're bringing Kevin Durant, you're bringing Kyrie Irving, and this complete is completely this team is completely um, washed away. I mean, all the young talent that they had, the building of and all the draft stock that they had after trading it away to the Boston Celtics all those years with Billy King, and Billy King still doesn't have a job. Now Sean Nor Marks should he. <laughs> now Sean Marks is sitting on the same throne as Billy King did. Now, if these three players don't work well together and don't win a championship together, and you trade away your future, um, 
Sean Marks could be fired by next year. I think if Sean Marks is does end up leaving the Nets or gets fired by the Nets, the only shot after this that he's going to have is going to be a small market team that is not likely to attract these big superstar free agents or make these trades for it because, right, we saw what he could do when he was building the team with second round and undrafted picks. Yeah, he did a nice job. Give him credit. That If that's the kind of team that you're looking for if you're a small market team, okay. But if it's going to be a big market team and you know there's a chance to get free agents, he'll probably get fired right away in that case. <laughs> it's it, it's unbelievable. It really is. Who would have thought that the Brooklyn Nets would be the laughing stock right now of the NBA with the Kyrie Irving situation? No control over Kyrie Irving. The NBA fining him fifty thousand uh, dollars. The NBA fighting him because he didn't want to talk to the press. He didn't want to speak to the press all season long. Now all of a sudden he disappears out of thin air. He goes to parties. He's hanging out on a bus, a party bus with no mask, and then all of a sudden he shows up after uh, James Harden gets traded for practically the whole organization, and <laughs> and now you're going. You're going to battle with three players, three stars, three ball dominant players that are going. There's only one basketball on the court, and they're going to want to shoot the ball. So I, I just, I, I am so out of whack of what's going to happen to the Brooklyn Nets if this team all of a sudden just falls completely on their face. I, I really do. Uh, Carl says uh, Kyrie said he needed time to reset. Uh, come on, man. I am teaching students both in classrooms and virtually at the same time. Step it up, Kyrie. That's what Carl says. Carl, so, I hope you're not the only one uh, bash, bashing Kyrie for that because I'm sure there's a lot of people doing the same things because, yeah, an NBA player should not have that kind of uh, that kind of issue. I mean, yeah, mental health is mental health, and if there is something seriously wrong with it, obviously that's a big I don't think he, issue. I don't think he has mental also, health. Right. We've also seen Kyrie Irving also say weird things, too. I don't so, think he has any touch. I don't think he has any mental health. I don't think there's any mental health issues. I think Kyrie Irving's just being Kyrie Irving. Right. You've seen him with uh, um, Uncle Drew. You watched it. That movie it really explains who Kyrie Irving is. Uncle Drew, the whole movie was all about himself. Me, 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 until the end of the movie when Shaquille O'Neal or whatever the heck it was, he explained why he loved the woman that he loved. And, and I don't know if you guys, I don't want to ruin the movie if you've never seen the movie, but Kyrie Irving is just like Uncle Drew, the same player, the same person he plays in that movie. He's all about Kyrie. He's not about anybody else but himself. And that's a huge problem right now for the Brooklyn Nets because you have three superstar players that are all about themselves. Kevin Durant with his eight uh, Twitter feeds. You have James Harden who was demanding himself out of Houston, and that's why he gained all that weight because he didn't want to. He wanted to show Houston he didn't want to play for the team, so he made sure he gained weight. He didn't want to play. He didn't want to practice, and he didn't show up to practices before the season. Not, not only that, he did the same thing Kyrie Irving did about a month ago, going massless in a strip club. Yeah, I mean, I, I this. This is a team that you you think of Sean Marks and what he has built and what this team is was and and the the growing of this organization and everybody was talking about this next up and coming team and the Brooklyn Nets being that next up and coming team and then all of a sudden trading I mean firing Kenny Atkinson and and hiring a rookie coach that has no coaching experience in the NBA because he was an MVP two time MVP and he was a great point guard in the league they bring him in with Amari Stoudemire and Mike D'Antoni. And they think they're going to win a championship. Congratulations. You've rebuilt the 2004 Phoenix Suns. Oh, my God. What a <laughs> joke of an organization. Absolute joke. Meanwhile, every team in the league now is playing at that kind of fast pace with efficiency, with 
balance to some extent. All the good teams, at least, as I'm saying. Obviously, every team can't do it, but with that kind of balance. So if you're trying to think you're reinventing the wheel, Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, all you guys that are in that staff, you're really not. No, oh, the only thing they're reinventing is the, the Brooklyn Nets 10 years ago. Right. Okay? <laughs> that's the only thing you're in, uh, reinventing. A team that's going to have no draft stock, traded away all of it, and when this team completely falls flat on their face uh, and these players don't develop together and they just, I mean, not develop, but they don't work well mesh, together yeah. and mesh together and they all flee away from the Brooklyn Nets. They have no future and they got to start all over again with a new GM, a new coach, and a new organization. So there you go. Great the other, job. The other end of it, too, is with, when you look at 2013, you look at you look at that team, at least the team at all different types of players, too. Like Kyrie Irving and James Harden are very similar types of players. Granted, I think the talent is probably better on this team than the past their primes, Garnett and, and Pierce and those guys. But still, the, the meshing of it and the chemistry issues that could be, especially in this NBA, which is so player run and their egos are so strong. I mean, it was like that to an extent in 2013, but not to the same level it is now. It's absolutely embarrassing. This... This Brooklyn Nets organization is in an embarrassment right now to the NBA. Kyrie Irving, an embarrassment. James Harden was an embarrassment. Thank God. Houston's smiling right now because they got uh, Victor Oladipo, a very good player. One of the top one of the top guards in the league. He really is. Yeah, when, nice uh, debut, too. Yes, he, he's a fantastic player. You put him with John Wall and the players that they have, and with all the draft stock that they have, this team is going to be an up-and-coming team for many, many years to come. Just like OKC, who has like 17 first-round draft picks for the next seven years. I mean, OKC is set up very, very well with the young players they have, too. So, uh, Chris Paul, bye-bye. The, really, uh, James Harden, bye-bye. Everything. George Springer hits, to, uh, hits 280 and gets a $150 million contract. First of all, George Springer, because of the whole COVID-19, got less money than we'd expect he would have gotten if COVID-19 wasn't here. I think George Springer is a $200 million player. He's one of the best center fielders in the league. Who's better than George Springer right now? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is he also played on a team that was under scrutiny all year long with the cheating. And he was actually one of the guys that flourished offensively, even amidst all that anyway, when they were obviously tracking it more, pitchers were throwing at the guys, all that stuff. And he still played well. We saw Altuve badly regress. We saw Correa badly regress. A lot of that core, even Bregman, who was looking like a superstar player, he was a little down. He didn't badly regress, but still. Springer was the only one that didn't, so he definitely proved his value, whether, again, hindered or not by the cheating in the past. It at least improved his value for the present. Uh, I want to get into Don Sutton because a lot of people wanted to hear my thoughts about Don Sutton. Don Sutton is one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game. One of the most underrated pitchers of all time. Hall of Fame pitcher, dies at 75 years old. When you look at Don Sutton, what stands out to you? Uh, he's a 300 win win pitcher. We'll probably never see another 300-win no. pitcher in Major League history. Uh, two, he's had o- almost 100 more wins than losses. His ERA, his career ERA is 3.26, which is fantastic. And uh, strikeouts, over 3,000 strikeouts in his career. And a whip of 1.142. When you talk about Don Sutton, and you, you talk about some of the greatest pitchers of all time, one of the greatest Dodger pitchers of all time, no question that he is. Uh, it's not only when he when you when you look at it, how he stands out. This is a guy who was an American League. He was an All Star MVP, four time All Star. He won the ERA title. This is a guy that really 
was a great leader for the Dodgers organization. Even when he retired, he was a spokesman for the Dodgers organization. Drew so many free agents to come and play for the Dodgers over the years. And and Oral Hershiser said it best. Don Sutton was one of the faces of Dodger baseball. So I... You really can't say anything bad about Don Sutton. He was a great Samaritan, great face for the Dodgers organization, great face for baseball, yeah. and one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game. And an icon for the Dodgers, too. Remember, the Dodgers moving from Brooklyn to L.A. in 1958. Uh, Don Sutton starting right around that time, I think right after uh, the 66 World Series, um, when Koufax was the dominant guy. He became the dominant guy after that. He really was that icon, and he lasted all the way into the 80s with that 81 World Series team. And this is a team in the Dodgers, like we were mentioning with Koufax, with Hershiser, Don Drysdale. This is a team with a rich pitching history, but he was an icon with great longevity. Like you were saying, great influence, great clubhouse guy really for that team and he, he pitched in a lot of different ways he pitched in two different really two different styles of pitching two different eras of pitching and you're right they lured in free agents early in the free agency process mm-hmm. in 1973 when it all started and the rules changed for baseball he really did a great job really putting LA as that baseball city in addition to obviously being a big NBA city already and stuff yep. like that so yeah he definitely will be missed an icon he's been in a lot of the Dodger games too you see him in the crowd all the time he really is an icon both on and off the field for them and Carl was saying 58 shutouts uh, how many pitchers had 58 shutouts in their career he had 58 shutouts and never missed a start in 22 years who would have thought that when you talk about pitchers Tommy John surgery shoulder problems this guy pitched 22 years without missing a start. An incredible career, incredible life. Don Sutton dies at the age of 75. Uh, he'll definitely be missed, not only to the Dodger community, but all of baseball, professional oh, baseball. So, like, like Jake was saying when we had him on, and we, we've seen a lot of these legendary pitchers go uh, pass away this year. And uh, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, uh, he mentioned Tommy Lasorda, who... Don Sutton was the manager for, uh, we've seen a lot of them this year. These are just icons of baseball, and Don Sutton was definitely one of them, too, with how long he played in the league and the influence he really had to the Dodgers, absolutely. Before we go to break, and we're going to have our second guest, we will be talking to founder of NibbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. I I do want to go into the NFL and this coming weekend, and we are not going to make our picks until the weekend crunch. Speedy, what game stands out to you out of both these games? I think what's interesting is with the Chiefs and the Bills in particular, some of the matchup advantages that we don't know about, because these two teams are very similarly built. The Chiefs Chiefs and the Bills both have great quarterback play. They both have great receiver play across the board. Running games are questionable for both teams. O-lines are both above average. They're very, very similar. Now, the Bills have a little more talent on defense than the Chiefs do, so that'll definitely be interesting. And then the coaching battle. There is some familiarity with some of the players that they that both of them have had and the coaching staff. McDermott is a disciple of Andy Reid. Will that be an advantage for him? Will it be an advantage for Andy Reid? And then their their pass rush, which pass rush is going to win, is going to make a big difference because they're very similarly built. And then the best matchup of all, I think, is Tredavious White and Tyreek Hill. You're not going to get two of the best at the positions like that. I think the game that stands out to me is Tampa and Green Bay, and I'm going to tell you why. Green Bay lost this year. Uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they didn't just lose. They got their butts reamed. They really did. And Aaron Rodgers had his worst game against Tampa's defense. Will Aaron Rodgers, and remember, it was in Tampa. It wasn't in Green Bay. It's going to be a cold, cold night. But remember, Brady has played in those cold, cold nights, right. and we've seen it in, in Denver. We've also seen it in New England. And But this is not going to be a home game. This is a home game for Green Bay. This is a huge game for Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, who – 
for, for years has not been uh, compared to Tom Brady because everybody says Tom Brady has won all these titles. Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the league for the last seven, eight years. It, it hands down the most talented quarterback, and I do still believe he'll go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback, all-around quarterback we've ever seen. The uh, talent that this guy has, a tremendous. What he did against the Rams, shredding the Rams last week, the best defense in the league, knocking around Aaron Donald, and that's secondary the way he did, the, the Jalen Rams. Ramsey or Jalen Ramsey couldn't do anything against him. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. And Aaron Rodgers, this really sets who Aaron Rodgers is as a player. If Aaron Rodgers could win two Super Bowls and bring another championship home to Green Bay, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady any day. Any day. The only reason why right now people would not take Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady is because Aaron Rodgers has won one championship to Tom Brady's six. Not only that, he started a little later, too. So he's obviously going to be behind in the process when it comes to looking at statistics, looking at career accomplishments, and also the NFC. We all know the parity of the NFC is a lot stronger than the parity of the AFC. Now, the AFC's gotten a little better, obviously, the, the last couple of years with new teams finally getting into the mold. We saw the Browns make the playoffs this year. Um, the Bills are now in the AFC championship game. But still, the NFC's had more parity. So that's the other end of it when you look at comparing those two as well. Rodgers has time if he has good longevity to catch up. If Brady's He's not a washed-up quarterback like Drew Brees. No. I, you know, Drew Brees going into that game, he wasn't Drew Brees. We, we all know. Michael Thomas didn't touch the ball at all in that game. And the only time that he aired the ball to Michael Thomas, there was an interception and eventually turned into a touchdown. Right. So we, we already know that this isn't Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers is at, the top, is at the top of his game. He's at the prime of his career. And what he is doing has been absolutely miraculous. This is the MVP of the league. And if Tom Brady has another 199-yard game, 13 for 35, they don't stand a chance. Tom Brady is going to have to throw at least 350 yards in this game. He's going to have to have at least three to four touchdowns in this game. And they're going to have to run the ball if they have any chance against the Green Bay Packers. If they don't do that, there is no way in hell they're going to beat this Green Bay Packer team. The way they're playing defensively and the way Aaron Rodgers is playing absolutely unbelievably uh, the way he has been playing the last couple of weeks. Offensively for Tampa, they have to do a good job of maneuvering the receivers off of Jair Alexander. You saw them do that with Lattimore, switch off different guys. And obviously Lattimore shadows Evans most of the time anyway, but they have to move it off Jair Alexander because there's a big drop-off between him and the next best corner and Kevin King. And then for the Packers, they have to make sure that their safeties could be able to guard those tight ends because that's going to make a big difference. We know about the run defense. We, we say it over and over again. They have to stop the run. But the safety play with Savage, with Amos, with a lot of those guys have to stop those tight ends. And Arians has to use the tight ends more than he normally does too because that's mm-hmm. a matchup they can expose, especially if Carlton Davis plays as well as he did against Michael Thomas against Devontae Adams. I don't see that happening, but they have to be prepared for that. It's going to be a really, really fun week. And weekend when it comes to sports. And really, football, this is the the best time is wild card. The divisional series were fun to watch, but this is the battle of the best teams. We, we talk about some of the best. I wanted the Saints to, I want to see Drew Brees win one more championship and ride right. off to the sunset like Peyton Manning. It's not going to happen this year. I think Drew Brees is going to retire. He did not look good in the divisional series. Yeah. But this is Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers wants to make his mark and he wants to really put Tom Brady in his place, this is the game to prove it. Go Play your game. Go put Tom Brady in his place and ride off to the sunset into the Super Bowl and win your second championship. That's what we want to see. And you have a chance to possibly pay Patrick Mahomes or a future star quarterback. Well, he is a star quarterback now in Josh Allen. This is going to be a good weekend for football on Sunday. Two 
uh, four of the best teams in a league, uh, two of the best games we're going to see this year. Yeah, so. and I think as well, the, it'll be interesting with Tampa. The pressure, could they actually get a Super Bowl in their home stadium? How much pressure will that put on them? First so. time ever. Yeah. Could you imagine The that? Vikings were and close. of course, Tom yeah. Brady. Of course, Tom Brady would be the one to do that. The Vikings were close three years ago. Then they, then they got blown out by the Eagles. So we'll have to see if the, the Buccaneers will have similar luck. I can't imagine Tampa getting blown out. But the Packers playing at home in the cold, that's definitely a huge advantage for them. Even though Brady doesn't normally struggle in the cold, like you were saying with Denver. It's more the altitude with Denver. But it's still going to be a lot of learning experience for a lot of the teams that play most the young players that play mostly in the south it's going to be really really fun to watch the battle of the defense to the offenses and also this green bay packer team they're very strong in the middle they're very strong at getting to the quarterback in the middle something that tom brady has problems aka the new york giants this is a team that can get at you in the middle they're not an edge rushing team they're a middle rushing team that's what they do smith the two smiths they love getting at you in the middle of the field and you you know that tom brady he forces the ball when he gets scared. This could be a fun, fun game to watch. And we already know Tampa has already beaten Green Bay this year. And they didn't just beat them. They smashed them. Now, I don't think Tom Brady is going to go out there into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers a second time this year. We have not seen that. I have not seen Aaron Rodgers lose two games against the same teams in one year in his career. Well, he's always dominated his division his whole career, so that sounds about right. Well, same thing with uh, Tom Brady. He's never lost three times. He's always dominated right. his division. Uh, probably the easiest, this easiest, the, easiest division in, 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 in the NFL. Right, so. this was the first year he lost. He got swept by any division rival in the regular season. Because he's in a hard division. Yeah, of course. And he played a Saints team that made a lot of mistakes. That's why Tampa won. They made a lot of mistakes, and it wasn't Tom Brady that won the game. It was the running game and the defense that won the game for Tampa. And they're going to have to do the same against the Green Bay Packers. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to founder of NibbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson, here on Below the Mic. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Whoa! Little Tupac! Oh! Speedy has a small little head. Speedy wants to be smacked in the head. I'll take a lead whacker, smack him in the head. Smack him with a beat back, bent with the bed. <laughs> I'm not a rapper, ladies and gentlemen. As you guys know, this is Below the Mic. We are live every single Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. I'm I'm watching, Scott. Uh, You could call us at 631-965-4990. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 our second guest of the day. Very excited to get this guy on the show. We are now talking to the founder of NibbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. What's going on, Scott? So do we all get to smack Speedy around? Is that something? Is that how it works? Oh, is, if you want to come on, around. Scott, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If you want to have some fun, you could just come over here. You know, if you want, if you want to uh, have an autograph signing, Speedy actually has his tidy whities with his name on it. No, I don't. Yes, he does. Don't listen to him. Yes, he has it. He has it for masks. So now you can wear his tidy whities for masks. Nice, like sleepaway camp, but not forced, you know? (laughs) So, Scott, how are you and your family doing with this pandemic? You know, uh, it's been a hell of a year over here at the the Simpson family. I've got a lovely wife named Rose. 
I got two daughters. Uh, my daughter, early January of last year, was diagnosed with leukemia. And so from leukemia into the pandemic, you know, it was a hell of a year. Uh, good news is everybody's healthy. Uh, my daughter's more healthy now than when she was last year when we didn't know she was sick. Now that we know she's sick, it's gone. The cancer is gone. Hmm. So now she just has to keep going through the treatment. Uh, and she's got a 91% survival rate and she's back to her ornery self. And so, uh, you know, pray that continues, but we're doing well over here, ready to start 2021 with a new ready to go vision. And uh, I'm excited to be on your show and talk football. You're getting me hyped, man. Talking about <laughs> Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Like this might be one of the greatest quarterback matchups in the, we had Brady and Manning all the time and that left and Manning retired. I mean, this is, this is going to be epic. And then we have young guns, you know, with Patrick Mahomes is cleared. Apparently he's good to go. Him and Josh Allen. So the oldsters versus the young guns, man. I, this is my second favorite weekend. Last weekend was my favorite just because you got eight games or maybe even six games the first week. <laughs> I don't know. I love it all. So uh, excited to be here, obviously. Oh, I'm happy that you're here. We are now talking to the founder of NibbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. Scott, tell us a little bit about your company and what made you uh, develop uh, and, and build a company like Nibbles uh, with Numbers.com. So, you know, last year, uh, I'm, a, I'm an educator and I've been an evaluator uh, of, of new teachers. And I was spending a lot of time last year writing, like 80 hours a week writing for my job you know, observing teachers, writing about it, formalized reports. It was crushing my soul. So in the middle of October, I just sat down on a Friday night and, and I was, I love fantasy football so much and DFS particularly that I just bought a website. <laughs> I started writing one night. I called it my shot in the dark. I said, I'm just doing this for me. I said, I'm not trying to do, I'm not getting paid. I'm just, I am exposing my process for how I do daily fantasy just so I can learn from what I, cause life is a turbine, you know, mm -hmm. you just keep going and going. And so it, it was my journal, really. Uh, and then last year, that was where it started. And then come this year, you know, I'm rolling out three podcasts a week. Uh, I got a, a writer, Bo underscore McBigTime on Twitter. Follow him. He's an, he has an 87% head-to-head record this year, wow. which means when he goes up against somebody, and he's beaten me a bunch of times, too. Uh, he's taking a lot of my money. I'm part of that 87%. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he is fire. He writes for me two articles a week. Uh, great guy out of California. So, uh, you know, I, I really didn't see this happening last year. I was just a guy who loved fantasy football. And then fast forward a year, and uh, I'm ready to go into year two of this, uh, you know, kind of well, year three, really, but year two of being at uh, trying to do a professional job, you know, not not just being a fan, but being a content producer, as we say. So I actually read on your website something very fascinating, your wide receiver two theory. And I, you were taking stats from, I think, the last five years, if I remember correctly. And some of it was very interesting. You brought up Calvin Ridley, who I actually had on a, a fantasy league that I won two, uh, in 2018. He was like an 11th round pick. You brought up Justin Jefferson, who was great this year. You brought up the Steelers receivers. Go over that whole thought process, which is very intriguing because there's a lot of good receivers in the league right now. There's a lot of teams with good receiving depth. And again, it seems to be a position that's strong in fantasy football. Yeah, so last year during the offseason, it might have been, you know, I, I, in the article, I kind of quote the, the tweet, so I'm not sure when it was, but J.J. Zacharyzen asked for, uh, and he, he's the, the head guy over at uh, Yahoo. He does uh, FanDuel. He's incredible. I love J.J. Um, he just said, hey, what are some questions for the mailbag? And I had assumed that somebody had already studied kind of the impact of, of where we value wide receiver ones in comparison to wide receiver twos and what that performance looks like over time. And, and do we, are we really paying up? Is that a good strategy for those wide receiver ones? Or can we get the value down below? And he said, no one's ever looked at that before. 
And I said, oh, oh, really? I mean, and so I was kind of shocked. And I also saw an opportunity to do some research myself and to kind of identify, because a couple of years ago, I started thinking this way, but I hadn't written it down. I hadn't actually quantified it into reality. I just kind of noticed a trend and was like, huh, I'm going to get Chris Godwin this year. And I got him late. And he outperformed Mike, Mike um, uh, Evans. And so it was just one of those rolling kind of things that happened each year. I'd always nail a couple really good fifth, sixth round ride receivers that would kind of put me in contention. So uh, you know, encouraged by JJ and others, I put it down and identified some players this year, like you mentioned, you know, Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Cooks, players that were not being drafted at the number one position, but had a potential to outscore the number one or even be similar. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, drafted – round four to five, you could have gotten Deontay Johnson in round eight or nine, and he only was about five to 10 points behind him comparative to the scoring system that you use in your league. So really great values that are all over the board. If you can kind of read the tea leaves in the offense and where that production is going to go when the, the vacuum and vacated targets come out. I, honestly, John Daigle from uh, Roto uh, World, he is, he's great. He, he's not John Daigle on Twitter. He actually, that's what, yeah, he produces uh, uh, just the data each year of where all those vacated targets are going. So when players move off of teams, where the, where the, the action is and, and what teams should see the, the most regression of targets or the, you know, the most available targets. So that kind of was the basis for where I looked at the opportunities for players this year. And, you know, Stefan Diggs leaving to go to the Buffalo Bills is a huge opportunity for whoever stepped in. I didn't think it was going to be Johnson or BB or any of those guys. They, they drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round to be that. Took him a couple weeks, but man, did he come through. And I, I loved him this year. I didn't have him on enough teams because I didn't get into the, the Justin Jefferson early enough. But man, he's incredible. So. We are talking to the founder of NibbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. Scott, so when you look at fantasy, and fantasy has changed football, it's really changed sports. When you talk about, as a, as a sports fan, we were talking about this on Monday. Uh, now these young kids, they're more of a player fan. They're not a team fan. When we were young guys in the 80s and 90s, uh, we were all about our team. It didn't matter who was on our team. We were a Nick fan. We were an Islander fan. We were a Jet fan. It doesn't matter how bad they were. We were rooted for the team. Now you have people rooting for Steph Curry. We have people rooting for uh, Justin Jefferson or, or Russell Wilson. What position really stands out to you in fantasy football where as – as you're drafting in the first, second, and third round, what is that position that you should look for to draft first out of all the other positions? So, uh, you know, I say running back is still king. I mean, if you could get Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook this year, I think what it comes down to is you need to pick the right RB1 in the first round. Um, if you picked Michael Thomas this this year as a, as a wide receiver one, which I did in one of my leagues, you didn't win. You didn't. I, I did really poorly. I picked Devontae Adams in my other league and, and I did really well. I made it to the, the semifinals. So, you know, first five picks or so I, I do like RB, but after that, I really like a shift in, in wide receivers. So, you know, Tyree kill is in there. Um, I know Diggs is in the conversation, Devontae Adams. There's a lot of great wide receivers and the game is changing. The, the, it, we watched it in the last five years go from, you know, there was mostly RB ones and then committees to now it's hard to find a true, true RB one. The, the, the pace of play has been picked up on, on different offenses. You got to run people consistently in and out. Uh, it, it's not just grind at football. It's awesome. But wide receivers are definitely creeping up on the back end of that first round. Don't be surprised if it's not. A, it, normally it's like a 12, you know, 12 team draft. You got 10 to ratio wide receiver 
at the end. You don't have a lot. I wouldn't be surprised this year if it's in the four or five range of some drafts because you don't want to miss out on Devontae Adams. I, I have him as like my third ranked player overall. Wow. Uh, he's he's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's so much better than anybody else. Uh, and I'm scared for Sean Murphy bunting or for anybody else who thinks they're going to go up against him this week and kind of feel swole and big. You know, he went, he went up last week against an injured Michael Thomas. We found out. Uh, you know, wouldn't even have played. He just wanted to do it for Drew Brees. He, his, his ankles are all messed up. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, Devontae Adams, that's the guy I want on my team next year, honestly, out of everybody. It's funny you brought up the early running backs because I actually had the worst luck with that this year with McCaffrey in one league and Saquon in the other. So it backfired in that case. But I still made the playoffs with the, with Devontae Adams, like you were saying, in that in that one of those leagues. So it's interesting you brought that up. So sticking with the running backs just as a whole, the depth of it, the strategy of it with the running backs, we saw a lot of platoons this year, a lot of teams that – they had rookie running backs that kind of emerged later in the season, fringe running backs that we didn't know what they were going to be like. Do you think this year was definitely, in terms of a strategy perspective, one where you really had to pile up the running backs early? Not necessarily early in terms of stars, but even in terms of depth. And do you think that would be carrying over into, into next season where a lot of the rookie running backs are even getting phased out, not even being first-round picks in the real NFL? Yeah. I mean, I think you saw what happened with CEH when, when we had an amazing offense that, that had an opportunity for a starting running back position. You know, the, the, the Davis Matic overcorrect couldn't have been heavier. People just lurch forward to grab him so early. Uh, he went fifth in one of the leagues I was in. That's a killer. Like, that crushes you. So I think what, we, what we've seen is rookie running backs take a little bit of time to maturate and to get into – I mean, it was two last couple of years at least. You know, we've seen um, – you know, with, with Miles Sanders, he was banged up this year, terrible experience this year. But the year before, he didn't come on until late. You saw Akers come on late. Jonathan Taylor, the back half of the season, he was coming on. We've seen a pattern now where just NFL life in general is tricky for rookies to get involved with. And so for them to be able to be the running back where you have to know blitz pickup, you need to know the A-gap, you need to know if a cross dog's coming, you have to know everything about kind of what your position, and they're not ready for it yet. So I do think we're going to see more committees and trends, but if you can hold on to those players and kind of survive redraft, so maybe stocking up on a couple extra RBs on the back end in those situations, the James Robinsons of the world, the the kind of unknowns, uh, you're going to be able to position yourself uh, to have more assets. I, I don't draft a, a kicker or a defense in my draft. I'll walk out of a 16-round draft with you know seven wide receivers, seven running backs, a quarterback, and a tight end. Uh, and then I'll, I'll stash somebody because somebody will get hurt. And so I've got most of the, the running backs that I'm trying to get in those rounds. Uh, but that's just my own strategy that I use against my league to take all the players. You know, um, you can do it too. <laughs> we are talking to the founder of NimbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. Scott, I want to know your opinion on what's going on with the Houston Texans. We've been talking about it. It's been the talk of the town with Deshaun Watson. Do you believe that Deshaun Watson is on his way out? Uh, do you think that te- the Texans can figure out how to keep him there and keep him happy? Or do you think he's going somewhere? And, and if he does go somewhere, where do you have him going? Oh, man, you know, I, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that the, the Texans organization, McNair family who runs them, uh, they don't know what they're doing, honestly. I mean, they just don't. And so they abdicated their power to Bill O'Brien, which makes sense. He's the coach. That, that, it's kind of like when, when you know, you, you, you date someone or you marry someone and you're like, hey, we're just going to stay in the basement for like six months <laughs> to get, get going. We're going to get it sorted. And then three years later, they're like, hey, listen. 
I'm putting a pool in your backyard, and my friends are coming over for a barbecue. And don't you look at Speedy in the, in the face. Don't look at him in the face. You know? So it, 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 it's just they didn't really think about that. You need to have a strong general manager in an organization when you don't know what you're doing and you're not a football pedigreed family who's been doing it for a long time and a long time. Um, and so I don't think they had that. And that is where they suffered. And they were led astray uh, and getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins because of of, of in, not being a faithful married person. Like, <laughs> Like, are we living in 1827? Does he need like a scarlet A for or something? Like, what in the world? Like, it's just it's pedantic thinking, honestly. And you're seeing the fruit of that in an organization that's got an amazing quarterback, top four quarterback in the league, could be one of the best, you know, if handled the right way. Um, I, I'd love to see him come to the East Coast, honestly. Uh, I've, I've seen Pittsburgh people just begging for him to come to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I've seen the Jets. I, you know, I want to see what, what the uh, the situation is over there now. The culture is there. Adam Gase was just such a train wreck. I, I don't know, you know how, how the well's been poisoned or if everyone over there is just so excited to, to be released of him that they're like, we're going to perform now. Um, you know, Sam Darnold's not the answer. No offense, Sammy, but you've had your try. I think, I think somebody else. So if Deshaun landed there, you know, he could definitely be a star running around New York. Um, but I, I don't know. You know I don't have any dogs in the fight. We talked earlier, you guys kind of mentioned fandom. I grew up a Washington Redskins fan at the time, not mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. Washington football team now. But I grew up when I'm I'm 42 in April, and I've been watching since I was six. April what? April 5th. Ah, mine's April 29th, so there you go. Well, April's a great month, man. Yeah. It's just a nice, beautiful time of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, spring's coming back. But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> My grandma made me watch the Super Bowl when I was five and or four, and I watched the, the Washington football team now lose to the Raiders and get crushed. Mm. She, she was a Raiders fan here in D.C. She loved the Raiders, and after that, I became a fan of football. I'd never seen it before. My dad didn't care to show it to me, did whatever. But I fell in love, and I never missed a Sunday really after that since I was five or six. And, uh, you know, when the, when the Washington football team, I went to the games, I would go and, and sit. We had seats in, in the early 2000s. Dan Snyder is such a terrible owner and such a bad person that my soul just was like, uh, uh-uh, I can't, I, uh, uh-uh, this is bad. Like, you treat people badly. You are bad. You produce bad products. It's, it, you know, just, it's something that made me sick. So 2014, I just quit after they messed up RG three. I said, I'm done. This is not, I, I'm not going to watch them do this anymore. And so I just like, like let it go. And uh, since then I've been all fantasy. And so, I love players too, but I love teams like that. Like right now, I love these two teams, Tampa and, and, and Green Bay. I love them. Like I love all their different players. I, I want to see, like you said, Jerry Alexander, how's he going to match up? Is he going to go up against Godwin? Is he going to be moved over and take Evans out of the play? What's it going to be? What's, what's this chess game going to look like between offensive coordinator and Tom or defense coordinator and Tom Brady on the field? Uh, it's going to be great. I, I think personally that, that Tom Brady is, is washed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I agree I'm too. Big, I'm not a big Brady guy, and uh, but he, he's got a running game. And last time they they faced off, they ran for you know over 150 yards. And so if, if they can do that, if they can kind of control the clock and control the game, Brady can dink and dunk a touchdown to Gronk here and there, or a slant to Godwin who stumbles into the end zone. He can do that. But he, I just don't. I don't see him crushing them over the top. I don't see them doing that uh, in this game. Uh, Scotty Miller might be a little bit of a threat, but. 
Uh, I see this game being more them trying to control it on the ground. You don't want to get into a gunslinging match with Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's not what you want to do, honestly. In Lambeau, in frigid conditions, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, so you're mentioning a lot of those the matchups that are very interesting, both with that and also the AFC Championship game. And you have a main focus in daily fantasy. So what are some of the the players, maybe some breakout players that you could see in these championship rounds? Because a lot of these, a lot of times in the championship game, it's not the expected players that you thought would do well. You look at the Eagles with the and they blow out the Vikings like five different receivers or something called a touchdown. You saw last year with the 49ers with Raheem Mostert coming out of nowhere and rushing for 181 yards. So who do you think could be some of those maybe potential sleeper breakouts this year that if you're playing daily fantasy, you would want? Yeah, you know, uh, I can go by team and kind of talk about each player on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cole Beasley has a chance. He came off a, a nothing game last week. You know, all those kind of players, when they have a nothing game, their value gets, you know, depressed and people just go, ah, eh. their price goes down, people get off of them. And so if you're looking to differentiate yourself in a game that, you know, the last four weeks of the season, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs were ranked like 31st against the pass. And because they're winning and they're and they're they're crushing the other teams, the other team is chasing them. So if this gets into a chase game with either of them going up and down the field, uh, you know, Cole Beasley is a possession guy, but he could definitely uh, – Tyron Matthew is not going to be on him. That's not going to be his focus. The Honey Badger is going to be focusing on digs. He's going to be trying to get in the backfield and throw his weight around, to, you know, to stop the the you know the quarterback scrambling. He might be the spy. I don't know what his role is going to be, but um, you know, I could really see uh, on that side of the field wherever Beasley lines up, short little passes and and you know PPR. That's what you want in, in DraftKings, particularly. Uh, I play some FanDuel, but you know DraftKings is where I made my my five K this year in the GPPs, and so. <laughs> I like that. That's where I like to play. You know, going back to the well again, once again. Mm. Uh, what do you have now, when you're watching the games this weekend? Are, are you looking for a, a particular player that's going to stand out to you? I mean, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, when, if you're playing a day fantasy league uh, for the playoffs and you're, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, is there a particular quarterback? There are four really good quarterbacks in the, this coming weekend. I mean, Tom, I think Tom Brady is the worst out of all of them. You have Josh Allen. You have McCown. I'm, I'm sorry, Mahomes. Mahomes and then you have, um, you have Aaron Rodgers. Is there a particular quarterback, if you were to – uh, pick certain players for DraftKings this week. Is there is there a particular quarterback that you would pick? Yeah, you know they crazy DraftKings wants the scores to be super high this week, like super high, because they've priced everybody down. They've just dropped the prices completely, so you can fit in as many players as you want. Really, uh, you can't do Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Diggs, and uh, um, Adams, but you can do three of them, and so they kind of want you to do that. Uh, that happened in the in the quarterbacks over here too. I think the best overall value at quarterback is Josh Allen. You know he's priced down to sixty nine hundred. I mean he's averaging twenty seven points a game. You know what I always try to do to get the little red flame on your score there is you want to triple up your value. So you know he's getting around twenty one twenty two points. You know as a value as the red flame on your side there. For Josh Allen, I definitely think he has a better game than the first time he played them earlier this year. Not his best game of the season. He's improved a lot. Uh, I see second would be Aaron Rodgers. And I think in my builds, I'm, I'm not going to have Mahomes that much. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have Brady either. I'm, I'm with you. He's he's the least of the one of the quarterbacks I want to have. That touchdown, six points he got sneaking across the goal line is the only thing that kept him from just being totally oblivious. Uh, <laughs> not, not worth anything last week. So, 
Not my guy this week. You know, it's so, it's so funny because I, I was arguing with a bunch of people. A lot of them are Brady fans. They love Tom Brady. He won six titles. And, and, and remember, football is a team sport. That's what people forget. It is a team sport. You need a good running game. You need a good defense. You need a good offensive line. It's not just Tom Brady that wins the game. But for some reason, my friend... They, they, these people just absolutely love Tom Brady, and they think Tom Brady's the reason why uh, the, the Patriots won all those championships, and they think that Tom Brady is going to lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all the way to the Super Bowl. When I said the reason why they won last week wasn't because of Tom Brady. He was 13 for 35. He wasn't good. What, what, uh, or 18 for 35. The, what was good about them last week was Leonard Fournette, Jones, and that defense gunning right at um, obviously, uh, Drew Brees, or washed-up Drew Brees. So yeah. your thoughts going into this game with the Buccaneers and Green Bay, what do the Buccaneers have to do besides running the ball defensively to win this game? Yeah, so what they have to do is they have to stop the red zone attack of the Packers. You know, it, it has been one of the most lethal uh, touchdown, uh, you know, the volume of touchdowns that, that – Adams gets in the red zone is greater than anybody else. That is a matchup that is just hard to stop. You saw what they did last week mm-hmm. against the best quarterback cornerback in the league, as they say, Jalen Ramsey. They just got him in motion, and and he couldn't even get near him. And if he had gotten around that cornerback, he couldn't have gotten near him anyway. That ball was a touchdown a hundred times out of a hundred. So I think you can't scheme against Aaron Rodgers and and Devontae Adams down in the red zone uh, well enough. And so that that's going to be where a deflection, a tip ball, a stepped on foot, a bad snap, just, just all the things we watch for as, as fans who are just glued to it. Those little things you notice are going to kind of be the difference. If they get clean pockets uh, and they can kind of push back, the, the offensive line has been strong this year. You know, Aaron Rodgers is not getting sacked all the time. Mm-hmm. If he can get the ball out quickly down there, advantage Packers. If he's hopping around, that's not going to be great. So I think where that defense bends or breaks in the, in the red zone is going to be key. And I get advantage for the Packers. Honestly, they're at home. They can, they can run Jamal Williams in there, and they do this. They run that hurry up sometimes where they just get up to the line, and then and then he just reads the whole defense like Sanskrit, you know, and he's just like, uh-huh, you, oh, you're on him? Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> he laughs at people. He smirks at people. It just, it's so scary. It's kind of evil, and I love it, and I hope he does it, you know. He does it all day long, and, and that's just how I feel, so. Some of the other intriguing matchups which are interesting are the, are the tight ends. We talked about the quarterbacks earlier. How would you value them from DFS? The tight ends are interesting, too. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's the best one by far, but you also have Robert Tunyon, who had a great year for Green Bay. You have the two tight ends for Tampa, which are both starting caliber good tight ends. And then Dawson Knox is not a great tight end, but he has an interesting matchup against the Chiefs who have had trouble guarding tight ends. So, I mean, how do you play that in a factoring into that decision? I mean, the Bills have great coverage linebackers with Milano and Edmonds who could maybe, if they game plan for Kelsey, try to take them out if that's where they go. You have Tunyon who's interesting with Devin White, Levante, David. Like, how do you look at that when you're judging the tight ends too, which are another intriguing position just like the quarterback? Yeah, so I think your pivot comes down to if you're going to have Kelsey or not. Like, that is your lineup build this week. Is it a Kelsey lineup or is it not a Kelsey lineup? You could double stack. And then let me, let me pause that. You could Kelsey and then you could put in in your flex Tanyan or Tanyan or Gronkow, any of these guys. And so, you know, I think that w- the way I'm going to approach it is I know there's certain guys that I want to have in my lineup. I want to have Diggs in my lineup. He's been one of the best wide receivers all year. I want to, I want Adams in my lineup. Um, and so – those are probably the two main wide receivers I'm going to have in almost all of my builds. Now they could 
falter. But uh, those are the two best players uh, on the field when it comes to their team. Uh, and it's clear that those are the two best players on the team and the best option to get a touchdown. And so I want those players in my lineup. They have the best touchdown opportunity, uh, weighted opportunity out of all the, the players that you can, uh, can pick. So, But I, I think it's going to come down to how much money I have left at the end of my build. And so if I have $3,000 left, you know, I, I, I'm going to go for Brait or Dawson Knox. I do think Knox has an opportunity, like you mentioned, uh, to be a nice little sneaky play. Uh, like you said, too, when, when you get into playoff games, it, these games, w- weird touchdowns are scored by players you've never heard of. And and it doesn't they, the coaches don't care about your fantasy team. They want to win the game. So they're scheming and they're like, no one ever covers Dawson Knox on this play. Run it because it's going to get him a touchdown. And so you just have to understand that. And, and I think these little, you know, pay down options, as we call them in the, in the fantasy DFS game, uh, they're going to pay off for you if nobody else has them and you're in a, in a tournament. So I do like Dawson Knox this year or this week, sorry, as a sneaky little play. We are talking to the founder of NimbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. Now, Scott, where you, you were talking about the rookie quarterbacks, uh, the young quarterbacks, the, the Josh Allens and the Mahomes. Are you surprised this year with the quarterback play, the rookie quarterback play, that the only quarterback that stood out out of all the quarterbacks drafted in last year's draft class was Justin Herbert? And what were your thoughts to Justin Herbert in his rookie season? So I, I was uh, I was not on Tua. I just didn't I didn't like the small scrambling quarterback coming off of a a, a hip injury. That just isn't the the way I like going into the NFL, uh, honestly. So I was kind of off of him, which is fine. I didn't see Herbert coming though. I, I thought Burrow was going to be more spectacular, and you know he he really was good until he got hurt, but he wasn't spectacular. Um, I I didn't I didn't expect Herbert at all because Anthony Lynn is inept, and so you know that that kind of I just thought he was. I mean, you saw it. Tyrod Taylor got stabbed. That's how he got <laughs> his job. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't some like. Like the coach made the call, he got hurt because the, the trainer they hired doesn't know how to do his job. So like, it just it, it did not. I did not see that coming. I did not draft Herbert in my my dynasty leagues this year. I went uh, down a little bit and I went Jalen Hurts, um, which I was shocked at the end as well um, as, as he got in there. I don't think he's as good as he looked last year though. I think he's he's a little bit you know he's got some maturation to do for sure. Uh, I wouldn't just throw him as a starter. I think Wentz is a starter there next year with the the new coaching staff. Honestly, so. The other end of it was the rookie receivers. This was the best class we saw for rookie receivers. We were talking about Jefferson earlier having a tremendous year. You saw CeeDee Lamb play well when Dallas actually had competent quarterback play. Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you saw T. Higgins, who played with Burrow, had a nice year. Um, they really, uh, Judy and Ruggs were really the only ones that were a little down from what they were expected to be. But, again, the Broncos also had bad quarterback play, too, so I don't know how much you can blame on that. So, with the rookie receivers this year, who do you think will be the highest drafted rookie receiver? And who do you think has the biggest chance to make a leap into superstardom this year? Oh, I love that. You know, I think that the, the first draft, it's kind of looking at the, the mock draft so far, the data that's out there. Uh, it's Justin Jefferson. He's the first one being drafted. Um, and he's being drafted around the wow. fifth round, the middle of the fifth round. Um, so, you know, pick 50. Um, and I understand that. I, I see that. Uh, the, the next one is, is uh, Chase Claypool. Oh, so C.D. Lamb is after him. And then Chase Claypool is in there next, uh, which I think is a little bit high, honestly. I want to say, well, if Juju's gone, then it's not. It's actually a good spot if Juju's gone. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Juju. I think his contract is up at the end of this year, and, and they have not re-signed him to his fifth-year option. So mm-hmm. um, it's a sign normally that it's goodbye. Um, 
But yeah, I honestly, I think that CD lamb has the, the biggest potential uh, with Dak coming back. He flashed. I mean, that catch mm-hmm. against the Vikings is one of my screensavers, you know, <laughs> I mean, that is just like, it, he, he did this matrix crazy maneuver. <laughs> I loved every second of it. And uh, you know, so he's somebody who I think has the, the potential to jump up and, and be more valuable. Um, you know, somebody who I think though, you mentioned him earlier, boomer bust, it, Jerry Judy, man. That guy was lightning or he was a, a stiff breeze blowing mm-hmm. the cloud away. I mean, it was it was definitive. You saw his talent. You saw his skill. And it, it's scary when you see it, then you don't see it again and again and again for a long time. And that and it's really a scheme. And it's also an offensive, uh, you know, quarterback's ability to successfully operate the offense. And, and like you said, Drew Locke is not successful right now. He's not mm-hmm. he's not doing a great job of mastering the offense. So if they had a competent quarterback, Jerry Judy could be fire. I mean, it really, really could be. So uh, that's something just to watch and see what the Broncos do. I don't know what their situation is like, but they didn't make the playoffs. They were terrible this year uh, and they had great offensive weapons. So, uh, you know, it, it, the quarterback was the issue and the injuries too. injuries too. I, I understand it happens, but it's a short lifespan for a quarterback. You know, you, you don't get that many chances this is year or two. It's going into year three next year. Uh, we'll see. Scott, before we let you go, what are your thoughts in this year's draft? What players or player stands out to you in this year's draft? You know, I, I think both of the quarterbacks stand out. You know, Fields and Lawrence, the, those two quarterbacks uh, are just franchise. Granted, these are your these are your your franchise quarterbacks that you want. This is the next wave of quarterbacks coming in. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens. The draft is you know, I, I'm never great at picking the draft. You know, I always think it's going to go one way. Uh, and then it goes a totally I, I had no idea uh, that San Diego was going to do what they did and and how it all went down. Um, it, it's always interesting. So but I'm I'm excited to see Trevor Lawrence. You know, that defense is terrible. And so uh, it, it also means I, I kind of bought into Gardner Minshew this year thinking that he would just kind of get the wheels left. Just, throw it around and it's making Bud Light commercials. I mean, you know, <laughs> I make Bud Light commercials like that and then just, you know, not play them, you know? So, um, but there's just going to be a lot of opportunity for Lawrence to chuck it because his team's going to be sucking. And there's always value in those sucky games where your defense is horrible and you got to shoot and you're playing, you know, uh, you know, the Titans who score a lot of points in your division, you know, the Colts rivers retired today, but they're going to get somebody in there. Who's they're going to score points. That's what they do. They have a good offensive scheme and even Philip rivers couldn't mess that up right this year. So uh, they got Taylor and, and, you know, so that, that, you know, division is going to score points. And so I love that. I want to see that and uh, kind of see what he does there. Assuming he goes there. I mean, assuming <laughs> that's what happens, right? I could totally be wrong. Could yeah. be field. Yeah. I had that same theory on Jacksonville this year and I drafted right. DJ Chalk pretty high and I was let down. So I'm, <laughs> if I do draft him this year, I hope you're right. It's well, absolutely Chalk's crazy. in the sixth round now. So he, you know, his sixth, seventh round turn. So it's not, he's not as expensive anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he was fifth in one league and I think sixth in the other when I drafted him. So <laughs> I was a year, I was a year ahead and then a year behind, I guess. <laughs> I'm always a year behind, but I'm pretty good at fantasy. I, and when it comes to making picks, I always pick my first two rounds, I always pick two running backs, always pick two running running backs in the first two rounds. Uh, it just depends on where you're drafting. And usually if you're in a snake league, you're, you want to pick either first or last. That's what you want to, you want to pick, but it, it's so crazy. But with the PPR leagues, you, you can, you can go so many ways. So there's just, it, it's, it's so crazy what, what fantasy has turned into. It's become a really a lifestyle really for, for sports and where sports is heading now. And that's why some of these young kids and, 
and, and some of these older uh, retired people that they want to do something and they want to find something to do. Now they have to keep on on um, on contact with, with their baseball, their basketball, their football, their hockey. Everybody's doing fantasy now, even soccer or whatever. Uh, in European football, they have fantasy now. So it's absolutely incredible. And that's why having you on the show and really talking about uh, Nimble with Numbers and what you're doing right now with fantasy. Uh, guys, you have to check out Nimble with Numbers. Go to Nimble's, N-I-M-B-I-L-E-W-T-I-T-H, N-U-M-B-E-R-S dot com. It is a great, great website. As you can know, as you know, Scott Simpson, you are great, man. I would love to get you on again. You are amazing. One of the best, and we've had we've interviewed so many people, so many recruits, so many fantasy people, everything, analysts. You are one of the best that we've ever interviewed. We you actually, really are. You brought up John Daigle earlier. We actually interviewed him back in April. Yep. Oh, I love him. He's awesome. Yeah, John was really, really cool. We we had a great conversation with him. We kind of threw him a couple of curveballs. So uh, <laughs> uh, he he was really uh, he was really interested in in coming. And we're gonna have John back on the show eventually as well. But I would love to get you on the show and and really be a a part of what we're doing with this network and, and how you're, you know, maybe get something with your fantasy on our website. Cause we would love oh, to do that as well. That'd be awesome, man. I'd be honored. Thank you guys for, for having me on and for, you know, the encouragement, this is for me, what I love to do. And so it just, I mean, it spills out, man. And I can't contain myself. It's, it's what I think about. It's what I care about. I've been loving football so long and I'm not ashamed anymore. And my wife knows it. She, she's, <laughs> She's up there, but so is football. You know. So, have you have you have you ever done a show before? So I do. I have a podcast that I started this year that runs every. It was every Monday night because we would kind of get on at the halftime of Monday Night Football, run from nine thirty to eleven, called the Fantasy Millionaires, and that show is kind of now that DFS is 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 on. We've transitioned it to being tomorrow, and so I got a show tomorrow, and uh, it's on Periscope. It's on YouTube. Uh, so if you look for you know, the fancy millionaires, the FF millionaires on Twitter. Uh, I run that show. And then on Saturday nights, I run uh, a show with fantasy space ghost force on Twitter. He does the, the uh, fancy football discord. Uh, and I, I run a show on there for the DFS slate. We talk through the whole slate. Uh, and then after that, I do another show called the DFS money shot, where I challenge people in the fantasy community hmm. for head to head contests on DraftKings. Uh, and then at the end of the, the Friday, Saturday night, I do fast, hard finish with Bo McBig time which is us kind of looking at the, the DFS and the, the Millie Maker. Uh, and then just now on Friday, we do a new show that we started uh, where it's just me and Bo doing DFS stuff for the, the you know, upcoming game, a conference game. So it's called Chalk Blocked. And, uh, you know, we're having a fun time. Like, it's just uh, you know, all new for me. You know, I don't have any sponsors. I don't have any. I'm just a rookie. I'm, a, I'm one of those rookies. Pretty good to me. You're pretty damn good to me. You're well, really you. good, man. Yeah, and and I, I don't, in fact, I might want to sit down and maybe bring your show to our network. How's that sound? Dude, that'd be incredible, man. I'd, I'd be honored to be able to, to talk with you about that. That's uh, that's uh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm all over there, man. Um, my Twitter is nimble W numbers on Twitter. You can find me at nimblewnumbers.com. You can find my writer, Bo at Bo underscore McBig time. He writes for me all every week. He's on my website at Bo knows. Uh, and then uh, I'm also at the fantasy millionaires.com uh, or FF millionaires on Twitter. So I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I'd love to come on again and talk sports. This is, this is like a, a perfect day. You know, I get to talk sports with guys, 
I live in a family of girls. I love ladies. You know, shout out to a, a female vice president. I'm honored. And great, yes. But talk to the men about football is just something special for me. You know, so well. Uh, I don't have any men here? It's just me. I'm by myself. Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk because I would love to bring you on our network. You have uh, a tremendous ability, and and really, what you talk about you. You give me more insight of why I should play fantasy even more. So I, I really appreciate you joining us, and uh, definitely we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. See you next time. As you guys know, we were just talking to the founder of NimbleWithNumbers.com, Daily Fantasy Football, Scott Simpson. Really, really nice guy. Great interview. Yeah, too. absolutely. He is awesome. He's <laughs> got some personality, man. Definitely stands out. I, I, you know, what I've learned about fantasy sports is that it's a lifestyle. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people live and sleep fantasy sports. I know a 65-year-old man that plays in six football fantasy leagues throughout the year. And mm-hmm. and, and he plays in baseball, he plays in tooth baseball, he plays in hockey fantasy, basketball fantasy. You can live playing fantasy fo- uh, uh, play, f- playing fantasy sports and make money and enjoy it. And mm-hmm. these retired uh young men or gentlemen or whatever you want to call them uh, especially Mr. Tidy, Tidy Whitey Man uh, ourselves right over here, Speedy Petey, who if he's not doing editing or doing the stuff that he does on our network, he is playing fantasy sports. Yeah, I think I, I think I had five teams last year. I only had two this year, but only f- I had five teams last year. I think there was a year I had six. My brother this year actually had eight at one point. He's, Which one is the second one, right? Yeah, Dylan. He Dylan. had eight leagues this year with his, uh, I guess, with his college friends and some of his uh, some of his friends growing up too. He was telling me about like all the different players, and I, I actually asked him what. what I went there for the holiday break. If there was any player he had in all eight leagues, but he did, that wasn't the case. But it's, it is very interesting with the way the, the industry is growing in particular. A lot of young players or young journalists, a lot of young sports broadcasters are maybe starting with that too as an outlet too, if that's their area of expertise. Mm. It's unbelievable. It's, a, it's amazing the way fantasy sports has changed the world, changed uh, fans, uh, rooting for players and teams now. It's all about fantasy sports and who you're rooting for and who you're watching. Uh, if your players are actually playing good or Mm -hmm. if your players are sucking it up, we've seen it over and over again. All season long, and and players that like Mike, uh, like Mike uh, Thomas, yeah. Michael Thomas, who was one of the best wide receivers last year, uh, with injuries this year, and with Drew Brees, a washed up quarterback, and Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston, uh, he's not as prolific as he was last year with a, a healthy Drew Brees. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Michael Thomas wanted to be traded. You heard that in the middle of the season that he didn't want to be with the Saints. Uh, maybe he's a guy that might stand out to be traded in the offseason. So. It's interesting because remember Kamara was also in that same boat for a while because yep. he had a big con- uh, he had a bit- was expecting a big contract and the Saints w- didn't pay him right away. And that was actually the reason I took Saquon over him. But I was considering taking Kamara over Saquon if he didn- wouldn't have the trade rumors because I think his value obviously for fantasy would have dropped with the- if he was traded. But obviously he got signed and that league turned out to be uh, not good. <laughs> well, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I... I want to thank Jake. Uh, Jake, who, first of all, he's been a fabulous broadcaster over there in Houston. He's doing such a great job over there uh, with Sports Map Radio and SB Nation uh, changed to uh, Sports Map Radio. So he's really sensational. His interview was great. He gave us some good insight with all the sports, New York sports, everything that's going on, even Houston sports, where you're here with James Harden and, mm-hmm. and, and obviously Deshaun Watson and everything that's gone on over there because he's over there in Houston. So he, he was fantastic. Uh, as usual. And uh, actually the founder of uh, Nibble with Numbers, uh, 
Uh, fantasy sports, uh, Scott Simpson, he was fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. So thank you to them. Thank you to all the fans that listen to our shows every single day. Uh, tomorrow, the Ryan Hickey Show at 9 o'clock in the morning. Stay tuned for all the shows in our lineup. Go download our app, iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey with his tidy whities No, do not listen to him, Yes, fans. ladies and gentlemen, as he boogies and he woogies with his tidy whities Speedy Petey, as you know. Uh, that's it for our show. We will be back next week and listen to the weekend crunch on the FM dial. Uh, is the Islander game on Saturday? I haven't checked that yet, but I think they're playing the Devils at some point this weekend. So, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know if they're playing uh, a home game, but if they are, uh, we will be after the Islander game. Me and Josh Silverberg and Speedy Petey. Uh, stay tuned. If you're not here in Long Island to listen to us live on the FM dial, you can go to LI News Radio on iHeartRadio. You can listen to the show live. It's a great show, great arguments, uh, really back and forth banter, and everybody dis- disapproves everything that Josh Silverberg says. <laughs> not, doesn't look like it. It looks like it's tomorrow and Sunday. So, so that we Saturday will be, will be on at 7. We will be on at 7, so stay tuned for that. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back on Monday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and the great Meteor Man, Speedy PD. Good night, everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.